1: You're not the only one. The Lord wasn't finished with him. The Lord was still going to use Elijah. But how quick you and I, just like Elijah, just like Martha, how quick you and I can think that we're either the only ones that are serving or we're the only ones that are doing it right. And all the while, we miss a huge part of the equation that within the family of God, there are different gifts and different purposes and different directions. God uses different ones in different ways. Careful when you slip into your own pity party. I'm the only one right. It's a dangerous place to be. Each person on earth has unique gifts
0: and talents that God has given. These gifts are to be used to glorify God and to help bring his message to everyone we meet. Today, Pastor David reminds us that sometimes this can seem lowly, as if you are the only one serving God amidst the evil of the world. You are not alone, however. Everyone brings their uniqueness in serving God, and everyone is still capable of serving God, and many are. Our task is to serve Him the way that we are designed to serve Him. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, One Thing is Needful.
1: Well, there's a thing that each one of us have in common. I mean, every one of us, you, you look around the room, we've got, uh, we've got young folks in here. We've got some that aren't as young as they used to be. We've, we, we, we've got people from a lot of different denominational backgrounds, people from all over the country. There's a lot of difference within who we are this morning. But there's one thing that every one of us have in common, and that's 8766. 8,766. You see, we've got 24 hours a day, every one of us. None of us gets more and none of us gets less. We've got seven days a week. We've got 52 weeks a year. We've got 365 and a quarter days in the year. 365 days in a year and that 365 days in a year comes out to be 8,766 hours a within a year. 8,766 hours. So what are you doing with all that time? If you're like most of us, you wish you had a little bit more. But the problem is, if the Lord gave us an eighth day in the week, or another week in the year, or a few more hours during the year, you know what? We'd fill it up, wouldn't we? We'd find something to do with it. We would fill it up no matter. We often struggle throughout the year, throughout our days, throughout the weeks, in being able to accomplish all that's set before us. As a matter of fact, according to the 2014 Bureau of Labor Statistics, the American Time Use Survey, okay, a year in the life of the average American, the average American, it can be broken down like this. If we get the normal range of sleep, that's usually between, they say the average is between six and eight hours. Well, that sounds to me like seven. So, uh, normal. Average of seven hours of sleep. Now, uh, again, that, that ends up being 2,600 hours of sleep a year. Do you realize that that's about very close to about a third of your allotment for the year? And, and we spend it sleeping for the most part. If you're still in the workforce, the average Again, the average is about eight hours a day. And if you factor in then getting back and forth, commuting to work, if you take into account weekends and holidays and vacations, you can average that the work situation with the commute for the average person is about 2,500 hours a year. You add that to the 2,600 hours that we sleep, well, between sleeping and working, half the year is already gone. Now, as per this 2014 survey, and I call your attention that it was 2014 because we're just about to step into 2016, and I think that the, it continues to grow, but they say that the average time spent on entertainment. Now, you've got to understand that in their survey, entertainment uh, had a pretty wide brush. It includes all of our leisure time, our sporting activities, but it also includes watching of television and movies. It also includes electronic media of every sort. It includes casual reading. And for those of you that for some reason also do personal exercise, uh, that all added together We spend about five hours a day, they say, on average, with all of these things. Now, that comes out to about 1,865 hours a year. Now, for some, that might be a little bit less than that, but I know that for some it might be quite a bit more, especially with all the electronic media. And then we get to personal care and hygiene. Okay, I call it personal care and hygiene. I wasn't sure if I... Want to use the word toilet from the pulpit. But anyway, it says personal care and hygiene, as well as food preparation and eating or going out to eat. That takes an average of another two hours or more a day. So about 730 hours a year. And then if you get all the way down and bottom of the list is housekeeping, uh, shopping, uh, maintenance, and yard care, they say that on average that eats up about another hour a day throughout the year for 365 hours. So that now brings us to 8,766 hours throughout the year. Now with those 8,766 hours, you subtract all these other things, that gives you about 745 hours for the year left over, or two hours a day. Now, with that, bear that in mind. If you have children, just wipe that all out because that two hours is long gone. You're already in the negative, okay? You've learned how to multitask quite a while ago. Now, again, some of you might argue with this and say, no, no, that's, that's not my schedule at all, and I would probably have to tend to agree with you because, again, this is average, and I know that nearly every one of you are above average, so. <laughs> and before I lose any of you, understand, this isn't a time management class that we're teaching today. I give this information to you to help you to kind of understand where we are going today and the impact of the lesson that we're going to look at. We are in Luke, the Gospel according to Luke. We are in chapter 10. We are at the very end of chapter 10, finishing that up this morning. The section is pretty short. It's uh, verses uh, 38 through 42 of Luke chapter 10. I'm going to go ahead and read it all in one shot, and then we'll come back and, and look at it. So in Luke uh, chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. Now it happened as they went, that's Jesus and his disciples, that he, Jesus, entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Some of you are saying, okay, I I get where he's going with that. Uh, How can I find time for all of my needs and still have time for Jesus? Well, that's only a part of where we're going today. Stick with me for a minute. Hopefully, you'll get the whole idea of where we're at. With the simple words that Luke writes, now it happened as they went, he's reminding us that that Jesus is still on his way to Jerusalem. Remember, as we've been in this portion of Luke for a while now, we know that Jesus had set his sight, set his face toward Jerusalem. This would be his last time in Jerusalem. This is where he goes, and he's uh, on trial, crucified, buried. He raises again, but this is that trip, and as they went, as it happened, as they went, and then he enters a certain village, and We find that this would have been that small village of of Bethany. It's just to the east of the city of Jerusalem, actually on the eastern slopes of the Mount of Olives to the east of Jerusalem. It would seem that according to the Scripture references that we have, that each time that the Savior traveled to Jerusalem, this area, this, this, this town of Bethany, he would spend a lot of time with, and particularly in the house of these friends there, the house of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. All of these, they lived there in that house in Bethany. And as we see here in the scripture, Luke tells us that it was Martha that welcomed him into her house. It's kind of interesting for Martha. Her name in Aramaic can be translated as lady or mistress, and it's the feminine version of lord or master. She is the female lord and master of this house, we see, not only in her name, but definitely in her actions. We see uh, in in every aspect, it seems that Mary is kind of the lead here. Uh, I looked also at uh, Mary's name. Mary's name actually means bitter. And uh, someone said just recently that uh, you'd be bitter too if you had to live in the house with Martha all the time. But... uh, (laughs) How often had the Savior been in this house as, as a friend and as Savior? We, we don't know for sure. The, the, the Gospels don't give us a real clarity of how many times. And although Lazarus isn't mentioned in this particular passage, it was sometimes earlier on in the ministry of Jesus. Remember that Lazarus had fallen sick and then died, and Jesus came, and, and by the power of Christ, he raised him from the dead. Well, Jesus had already had a relationship with Mary and Martha and Lazarus at that time because remember, uh, Lord, the the one that you love is sick. So there was was a real closeness of relationship that Jesus had, much more than just their Savior and their Lord, he was also their friend. Once again, uh, as Savior and friend, this very familiar setting in this home of his friends, Jesus comes into the house, and sometime shortly after coming into the house, he begins sharing about God's kingdom. I think this was a normal practice of Jesus. You probably didn't hang around Jesus too long until he's talking about his Father's kingdom, and he's talking about, again, our place and our part in it. That was his mission, but it was also his passion, again, just sharing the truth that the kingdom of God is is near you. And so as Jesus began to share, and as he began to teach, Luke tells us that Martha's sister, Mary, says, sat at Jesus' feet, and he heard, and she heard his word. And she was pretty well oblivious to, to everything else, undistracted by anything else that was going on. And it seemed to be that that was where the problem was, because Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted with much serving, the word tells us. How easy that can be for I think just about any of us. There, there's no doubt that for any of us, there's a lot of things that can distract us, that can pull us away from focusing in and dialing in just on devotion and the presence and the word of God in our lives. When that happens, let me share with you. When that happens, when we become so distracted by other things, our lives become out of balance. It may look like we're faithful servants on the outside, but the problem is our motives have changed, and our heart isn't touched like it used to be. Now we'll talk about that more in a moment, but please don't get me wrong. Serving the Lord is what we are called to do. There's no doubt about it. We are to serve the Lord, but we also need to do it with the right heart and with the right motive. So here we have the scene. Jesus is in the house, okay? And as that normal, as that usual case is, he's sharing the things of God's kingdom, just like he always does. Mary here is sitting at the feet of the master. She's sitting as a student, as a, as a disciple, uh, again, gleaning from She's probably hanging on to every word that he's saying, and she's not distracted by any other thing. And then there's Martha. Martha, Martha. She's busy doing that Martha thing. She's cooking. She's, she's cleaning. She's preparing things like she always does. Some of you ladies know exactly what's happening here in Martha's head, don't you? While the guys sit oblivious. But uh, uh, <laughs> the ladies for sure understand how this works. What a wonderful thing it is, again, to desire to serve the Lord in practical and intangible in in, in, in physical in, in material ways. that's a good thing and that ought to be the heart of, of every believer And so we don't fault Martha with her desire to honor the Lord by these acts of service not at all. and it wasn't that Martha's service toward the Lord was inappropriate or even that her concern was necessarily inappropriate. The problem came as the level of her concern, show that now she was being controlled by that concern and how that concern now moved to the point of anxiety. And then her attitude now moved totally out of bounds because her concern went to anxiety, her anxiety now went to anger and perhaps even a little bit of jealousy. Martha had now become a victim of her own choices, of her own schedule and of her own circumstances. Truly, I believe that Martha wanted to hear Jesus too. She wanted to hear what her friend and what her Lord, what her master had to say. But the problem was, is the tyranny of the urgent came all about her, and suddenly she didn't have that opportunity. She felt, because there was an imbalance in her life that had now come to surface. The word tells us that Martha approached Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Sounds like some of the children at home, doesn't it? But wow, there's so much wrong here. There's so much in just that short little few couple of verses or a couple of sentences that Martha declares. So much that's wrong. First of all, it's a wrongful accusation against the Savior when she says, don't you care? Because, beloved, no one ever cared for you like Jesus. And that's for sure in Martha's case. The Lord cares for Martha. With those words, we're actually, when she says, don't you care, we're, we're actually brought back... As, as I looked at this, we're brought back to the Sea of Galilee, and you remember that situation. Jesus and the disciples were out on the Sea of Galilee. A big storm blew up, and where was Jesus? He was asleep in the boat. He was, he was fine. He knew the, you know, the Father was in charge of all of this. But the disciples got all panicky as they're bailing water out, and they're looking around for the Lord. They finally see him asleep. They go and wake him up and say, Don't you care that we're perishing? That's just the absolute wrong question to ask the Lord. But you know what I think if we really are honest with ourselves, probably every one of us in one or two situations in our life have asked that. Maybe not verbally, but just mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Lord, don't you see what's going on? Don't 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 you see my hurt? Don't you see the situation that I'm stuck in? Why don't you fix it, Lord? Don't you care? The problem with the disciples and the problem with Martha and our problem at that point in time is actually the lack of a full understanding of who Jesus is. And again, no one, no one at all has ever cared for the disciples, cared for Mary, or cared for you and I as much as Christ it's that lack of understanding, it's that lack of faith that again brought about Jesus' response to the disciples. Remember what his response was to the disciples? Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you, of I'm here. Why are you such little faith? The second problem that we see with Martha's declaration is she says, I'm the only one serving you. I'm the only one serving you. Kind of brings us back to Elijah. Remember the the situation with Elijah, the prophet in the Old Testament. Man, he had had slew the uh, 400 plus prophets of Baal. And man, he was on top of the world. And then one word of one woman, that Jezebel, that says, you know, off with his head. You know, uh, I'm going to have his head off, you know, before sunrise. And suddenly he slips into this huge pity party. And he goes and he hides in the mountains. And the Lord comes and speaks to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? Remember, Elijah's, well, I'm the only one serving you, Lord. I'm the only one left in all the world that's serving you. And he has his beautiful, beautiful pity party up there. And what does the Lord say to him? Get up. I've got 7,000 others that haven't bowed their knee. You're not the only one. The Lord wasn't finished with him, the Lord was still going to use Elijah. But how quick you and I, just like Elijah, just like Martha, how quick you and I can think that we're either the only ones that are serving or we're the only ones that are doing it right. And all the while, we miss a huge part of the equation that within the family of God, there are different gifts and different purposes and different directions. God uses different ones in different ways. Careful when you slip into your own pity party. I'm the only one right. It's a dangerous place to be. The third thing we see in Martha's statement huh, is this idea of commanding or directing the Lord on how things ought to be done. You notice there's no request here. It comes pretty much in the form of a command. Tell her to help me. Now, the thing that we, we really need to see, she had just called him Lord, and now she's commanding. Do you understand the humor in that? Because as Lord, that means I'm your servant and whatever you want in my life, I'm yours to command and do. But suddenly now she's flipped the equation around, hasn't she? And she's telling the Lord and Master what to do. Very dangerous place to be. It was on an earlier trip that uh, when Lazarus had died as Jesus is coming to Jerusalem, Martha was the first one who went out to see Jesus. And do you remember her words? Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Almost an accusation. I think Martha liked being in control. I think Martha enjoyed being in command of the situation. And when things got out of control, got out from underneath her command of the situation... That's when imbalance really showed itself. Oh, the imbalance was already there because she wanted to be so much in control. But the imbalance came to the surface, visible to all, once she started acting and speaking that way. And when it got out of control, she definitely had an issue with control. But I love the gentleness of our Lord's response to Martha. Verse 41 says that Jesus answered. He said to her, Martha, Martha. You're worried and you're troubled about many things. It's interesting throughout Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, whenever the Lord calls out a name twice, it's because somebody's really messed up, but he's bringing gentle correction. And I love the gentleness of the correction of the Lord. I I look through the Scripture and I see how many times the Lord should have, could have taken a two-by-four and whacked somebody. But then I think about my own life and I think all the bumps I would have on my head if the Lord responded in the same way. He goes to her, Martha, Martha. A little bit later in Luke, we're going to read how the Lord comes to Simon Peter and Peter's boasting, oh Lord, everybody will desert you, but, but I'll stay strong. I'll, I'll be the one to, uh, you know, I, he, he's puffed up and he's prideful and what does the Lord do? He corrects him. He says, oh Simon. Simon. Satan has asked for you. He's going to sift you like wheat.
0: Open our us from by the open word. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We meet Saturday evenings and twice on Sunday morning, as well as throughout the week. For more information about when we meet for worship, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word.
1: Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow.
0: Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God richly bless you.